Welcome to the Parkcast series, episode 36, part 2, Pregnancy, Breastfeeding, and Marijuana Use. The Parkcast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This podcast outlines existing research on the risks to both mother and infant of marijuana use during pregnancy, as well as the safety of using marijuana while breastfeeding. Introduction and Discussion Questions This podcast will highlight potential risks to mother and infant of marijuana use during pregnancy, as well as the safety of using marijuana while breastfeeding. This literature review will not discuss current policies surrounding marijuana use in Canada, general concerns associated with parent marijuana use, or impact of parent marijuana use on later life outcomes for children and adolescents. These areas are addressed in a separate publication in this podcast series. Research related to each subsection will be highlighted and a commentary on the strengths and limitations of this research and the ways in which it may help you in your practice will be provided. Questions to promote discussion and critical thinking are dispersed throughout the podcast. We recommend you think about the issue or issues you are trying to find out more about, that is, your research question, before and during your listening of this podcast. Research around parenting and marijuana use is limited and inconclusive. As with most substance use, the impact of marijuana use on individual parenting capacity will vary. In reality, researchers say the evidence for and against potential harm is nuanced and dose-dependent, just as it is with other drugs. Marijuana is the most commonly used illicit drug in the United States, and use among adolescents has risen in recent years in both the U.S. and Canada, while perception of its risk has declined. THC and Prevalence of Marijuana Use The major active compound in cannabis is THC, which promotes physical responses ranging from increased appetite, impaired memory and cognition, reduced motor function, sleep-promoting effects, nausea control, preventing or reducing muscle spasms, and pain relief. The amount of THC in a given cannabis product can fluctuate greatly. It will vary from plant to plant and even on different parts of the same plant. Therefore, there is no way to verify the amount of THC a person consumes each time they use marijuana, or the impact it will have. Depending on the plant strain and how the particular product was created, the average THC content of cannabis can range from 3 to 17%. Synthetic or man-made cannabinoids can contain potent THC chemical equivalents that are as many as 500 to 600 times more potent than the THC found in traditional marijuana. Further, over the past 40 years, there has been a reported increase of 6 to 7-fold in the potency of THC from cannabis in the United States. In a national prevalence study, Coe and colleagues looked to determine the number of women of reproductive age between 18 and 44 years in the United States who report marijuana use and what some of the characteristics related to marijuana use might be. Using data gathered in the National Surveys on Drug Use and Health, a cross-sectional nationally representative survey in the U.S., from 2007 to 2012, the following trends emerged from this large sample of pregnant and non-pregnant women. Frequency of use. Approximately 11% of pregnant women and 14% of non-pregnant women past year users reported using marijuana almost daily, 
characterized by use on 300 days in the past year, among whom 3.9% of pregnant and 7.6% of non-pregnant women used in the past month. Methods matter. The measures used by a researcher to classify substance use will have an impact on the study's findings. For example, studies may vary on the time frame that characterizes current use as past month, past week, or daily use. Perception of risk. Almost 70% of both pregnant and non-pregnant past year users perceived a slight or no risk of harm from using marijuana once a month or once to twice a week. Income. Among pregnant women, those with annual household incomes of less than $50,000 are almost twice as likely to have used marijuana in the past year when compared with women of higher income, above $75,000. Pregnancy status. Past month marijuana use was highest among non-pregnant women without children, 7.3%, postpartum women and non-pregnant women with children, from 4 to 5%, and pregnant women, from 1.4 to 4.5%, depending on trimester. Marital status. Pregnant single women, characterized as separated, divorced, widowed, or never married, were greater than four times as likely to be past-year marijuana users than married women. Long-term use. A greater percentage of pregnant women reported starting marijuana use at 14 years old or younger. Authors argue that prevalence of past-year use is important to know among women of reproductive age because of the high rates of unintended pregnancy in the United States, approximately 50%, and the potential for marijuana to affect infants in utero as early as two weeks gestation. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the World Health Organization support universal screening for maternal substance use, including alcohol and illicit drug use. An ACOG survey reported that 97% of all obstetrician gynecologists screen for alcohol use. However, it is unclear whether screening for illicit drugs is as common, or what substances in particular would be included in the universal screening. Testing for blood alcohol content relies on a more accurate screening tool, a comparable version of which is not available for marijuana use. Determining marijuana use Particularly in situations where substance use falls outside legal parameters, Women may be hesitant to self-report use for fear of judgment or repercussions for themselves or their child. Methods matter. Self-report measures are subject to what researchers call reporting bias, where participants may alter their responses to appear more desirable. Within both healthcare settings and in research methodology, there are different conceptualizations being used to capture marijuana use mainly due to the various forms of marijuana and the range in potency. Healthcare professionals face challenges in determining marijuana use. Hair testing, serum, and urine testing are common methods utilized, but do not provide results reliable enough to stand alone as proof of use, and are also time-sensitive. Further challenges are presented based on the type of marijuana product being used. For example, spice, a synthetic cannabinoid commonly used among younger populations, does not show up in urine testing. Spice can promote physiological side effects on the body, including seizures, that mimic eclampsia or preeclampsia. 
combined with a negative urine test for substance use, inaccurate and potentially harmful treatment may be pursued. Thinking critically. Research evidence. While the above trends are results from one study, what new information did I learn? What else do I want to know? Client preferences and values. In what ways do my relationships with the families I work with foster trust? Practitioner knowledge and experience. How have I dealt with situations around marijuana or other substance use in the past? Case context. Is reporting bias a new concept to me? How might I have encountered this in the past? What is it about marijuana use that may prompt this? Pregnancy. Through subjective retrospective reports following pregnancy, some studies suggest that marijuana use may reduce nausea and vomiting. The available research is insufficient to determine the effectiveness of marijuana as a medical treatment for these symptoms. However, for chronic users, continuation of marijuana use may be more about maintaining a current health status rather than treating side effects of pregnancy. For long-term users, risks of discontinuing marijuana use include the possibility of withdrawal symptoms from 10 hours after ending use and peaking at approximately 48 hours. Symptoms of withdrawal may include restlessness, anxiety, insomnia, anorexia, muscle tremor, and autonomic effects such as changes in heart rate, blood pressure, diarrhea, and sweating. Methods matter. In a randomized controlled trial, participants are randomly allocated to either a group that receives a treatment or a control group which either does not receive the treatment at all or may receive it at a later time. A randomized controlled trial is the only research method that can demonstrate the effectiveness of an intervention or treatment. Fetal growth and development. THC can easily cross the placenta barrier and access blood supply with fetal plasma concentrations of THC found to range from equivalent to or higher than maternal concentrations. There have been three longitudinal studies on prenatal exposure to cannabis in the U.S., the 1970s, 1982, and 2001, each using different designs, including different samples, and different measures of marijuana use. Methods matter. In the longitudinal study, data are gathered from participants at multiple times over a long period of time, that is, over the span of months or years. Some evidence suggests adverse effects of prenatal cannabis exposure on fetal development, but there is little consistency in findings regarding birth outcomes and infant development. Key concerns center around the fact that cannabis, or THC, is lipophilic in nature, this means it dissolves in fats and can thus cross many types of cell membranes, such as the placenta and blood-brain barrier. What this means is that there is potential for THC to impact development as early as two weeks after conception. Animal studies have shown an increased risk of anencephaly, a condition where a large portion of brain, skull, and scalp do not develop. Further impairments have been documented in animal studies affecting cognitive and emotion brain centers that can affect later attention, memory, and problem-solving capacities. Beyond infancy, there may be subtle effects on specific cognitive or behavioral outcomes, although more replication studies are needed.
With the current evidence from both animal models and human research, in spite of inconsistencies between findings, the evidence does suggest the potential for negative impact of prenatal exposure to cannabis on fetal growth, as well as more subtle impacts in infancy and early childhood. While researchers may not be in full agreement as to what these impacts are and how to measure them, it is important to recognize that there are potential mechanisms through which maternal cannabis use may have an impact on the developing fetus. Labor and Delivery Important considerations regarding any substance use during pregnancy or not are the effects of the substance on the body and brain. Current habitual marijuana use can affect a woman's safety during labor and delivery due to the effects the substance has on the body. In high doses, marijuana can cause bradycardia, which is a slowed heart rate, and hypotension, low blood pressure. More commonly, low or moderate doses of marijuana can cause tachycardia, a rapid heart rate. Marijuana use can also affect the safety of anesthesia during delivery. If any of these conditions are present or marijuana use is suspected, drugs that affect both heart rate and blood pressure should be used with great caution. Ensuring access to non-judgmental health care shows the most promise for accurate disclosure of marijuana use and is essential to a safe delivery for both mother and infant. The majority of studies show no increased risk of preterm birth for infants born following marijuana exposure. However, there are two existing longitudinal studies that suggest otherwise. Following infants with exposure to marijuana during pregnancy, some studies have found lower birth weight, decreased gestational periods, and increased risk for preterm labor. Women who use marijuana during pregnancy were also found to have increased risks of dysfunctional labor, precipitous labor, which is a short time period between first contraction and delivery, and meconium-stained amniotic fluid, where the infant's first stool enters lungs during delivery and may lead to respiratory complications. Current evidence does not support an association between marijuana exposure and any specific congenital birth defect. Lactation and breastfeeding among women who are using marijuana during lactation, exposure during gestation or pregnancy is likely also an issue to bear in mind. Again, access to non-judgmental care is critical to support the mother in managing risks to the infant and ensuring both mother and child are receiving necessary health care services. THC and breast milk A mother's decision whether or not to breastfeed her newborn may be based on a number of factors only one of which may be concurrent marijuana use. According to the American Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, ABM, there are documented benefits of breastfeeding to both mother and infant, including reduced risk of sudden infant death syndrome. As previously discussed, THC, the main chemical compound in marijuana, is lipophilic, which means that it is stored in body fat. This is one of the key reasons that the concentration of THC in human milk can be up to eight times higher than in the mother's blood levels. The ABM recommends that drugs of any type should be avoided in pregnant and breastfeeding women unless prescribed for specific medical conditions. The casual use of drugs, legal or illegal, illicit, dose-appropriate or not, may impact the developing fetus and infant in ways that are not yet known. However, despite the various risk factors that may exist for women with substance use behaviors, both infants and mothers can benefit from breastfeeding. 
Therefore, the ABM recommends that the documented benefits of human milk and breastfeeding must be carefully and thoughtfully weighed against the risks associated with the substance that the infant may be exposed to during lactation. The evidence around health risks to infants of exposure to THC through breastfeeding is both scarce and conflicting. There is little data that evaluate the developmental outcomes of infants beyond one year of age who are exposed to THC in utero. The American Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine argues that due to the increased potency of marijuana from approximately 3% in the 1980s to 12% in 2012, data from previous studies may no longer be relevant. However, given the potential for harm due to marijuana exposure suggested in the above literature review, it could be countered that such risks are now greater. Given increased potency, a stronger substance would not likely reduce risks associated with its consumption. Thinking critically, what are the policies within my organization around marijuana use among parents? Does what I have learned in this literature review support or refute this approach? What personal beliefs or opinions do I hold about substance use, marijuana or other, during pregnancy? How do these perspectives impact my decision-making with these clients? How do my personal biases and beliefs align with or differ from the literature? Conclusions. What did we learn and what is missing? It is important to remember that the current research being summarized was completed over the past 20 years, when the potency of marijuana was approximately four times less than what it is today. While there is a growing body of research on marijuana use in pregnancy, there remains a need for high-quality, current data to better understand the effects of marijuana use in pregnancy, lactation, and later life outcomes for children who are exposed in utero. The research base would benefit from consistency across studies in terms of quantifying and conceptualizing marijuana use to make comparisons between and replication of studies possible. Key Summary Points THC, the major active compound in cannabis, dissolves in fats and therefore can easily cross from the mother to the placenta. THC concentration in both the placenta and breast milk are found to be equivalent and higher than maternal blood concentration levels. There are no specific birth defects associated with gestational exposure to marijuana, or THC. Research in this area is limited to animal studies and those conducted in earlier years, when potency of marijuana and related products was considerably lower. The evidence around health risks to infants of exposure to THC through breastfeeding is both scarce and conflicting. The American Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine does not recommend substance use during lactation beyond what is medically necessary. However, the benefits of breastfeeding must be weighed against risks of exposure to marijuana. You have been listening to the podcast series, Episode 36, Part 2, Pregnancy, Breastfeeding, and Marijuana Use. At partcanada.org, you can access Part 1 of this episode, Introduction to Parent Marijuana Use. The podcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, 
a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about and additional resources on this episode's topic, the ParkCast series, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.parkcanada.org.